Welcome to Bite-Sized Battles. He who once turned the soil with a hundred ploughs now labours to have just a pair of oxen. The man who often rode through splendid cities in his carriages now is sick and travels to the deserted countryside wearily and on foot. The merchant who used to cleave the seas with ten lofty ships now embarks on a tiny skiff and is his own helmsman. Neither country nor city is as it was. Everything rushes headlong to its end. Prosper of Aquitaine The Gothic War had seen the Goths spend six years rampaging throughout Thrace and the Balkan provinces, helping themselves to its women, young men and wealth and wreaking terrible devastation. They even butchered the Eastern Roman Emperor Valens and destroyed his army at the Battle of Adrianople in 378. When peace was finally declared in 382, the Goths were granted semi-autonomous lands within the Empire's borders, in a stunning reversal of normal Roman policy and a clear sign of the strategic weakness they now found themselves in. But, while the Goths stuck to their word for quite some time, remaining peaceful and contributing men to the Roman army, if the Romans thought this was the end of their troubles, they were sorely mistaken. When they had arrived in 376, the Goths had brought with them rumours of a storm of heavy fighting north of the Black Sea. That storm was now spreading west onto the great Hungarian plain, Running before it was an increasingly multiracial group of distinct tribes and nations, which had hitherto occupied lands as far as three and a half thousand miles away from the Roman provinces in Gaul. So, just 24 years after peace was declared with the Goths, these groups of people running hell for leather to get out of the storm's way burst upon the Roman Empire, causing a crisis from which it desperately struggled to recover. As a direct result, Britain and Spain fell out of the empire's orbit, as did much of Gaul. Later, its knock-on effects also meant the loss of the critical revenue-producing and agricultural provinces of North Africa. It was a colossal strike, whose wounds were deep and serious. Welcome to the second episode of The Fall of Rome. On the 31st of December 406, a multitude of groups crashed across the major Roman frontier of the River Rhine, straight into the wealthy provinces of Gaul. Gaul had been Roman since Julius Caesar had swept aside its original Celtic inhabitants more than 400 years earlier. And, barring the constant frontier skirmishes and sometimes larger raids, It was a region used to experiencing the fruits of the Pax Romana, or Roman peace. The three largest groups which violently disabused these Roman Gauls of their peace were Vandals, originating from what is now Poland, Alans, some of whom were involved at Hadrianople and had travelled the three and a half thousand miles to be here from their ancestral homelands on the Great Eurasian Steppe, and a group called the Suevi which was probably a catch-all term 
for a variety of Germanic peoples now formed into a loose confederation. Like the Goths, these groups came with their entire population groups, estimated to be up to 200,000 men, women and children, as well as the fighting men of the army who possibly numbered around 30,000. The sheer scale of these groups overwhelmed the network of Roman border forts, more used to responding to low-level raiding. And what these Rhine invaders caused, in short, was chaos. Mainz was sacked first, being the city closest to the crossing. Then followed a succession of other cities looted and set ablaze. Tournai, Arras, Amiens, Longres and Narbonne, to name just a few. All this raping and pillaging took over two years. Where on earth was the Roman army of Gaul? The answer lies in the Roman response to yet another invasion, which had come to a head in northern Italy six months before the Rhine crossing. The West Roman generalissimo, Flavius Stilicho, effectively ruled in the name of the young emperor Honorius, and had collected a massive force of some 30 regiments to take this Italian invasion on, many of them stripped from Gaul. Stilicho had defeated the Italian invasion by August 406, but had yet to return those Gallic Roman regiments to the Rhine. Now, in the two years from the winter of 406 on, the Rhine invaders went on the rampage. Gaul must have been waiting with bated breath the entire time. Surely Stilicho would rush to their rescue. But he didn't. Instead, he chose to do something rather bizarre given the emergency unfolding in the West. He picked a fight with the Eastern Roman Empire over some lands in Thrace. The answer as to why he made such a questionable decision lies in who had been settled there. The Goths. Even with his large army, Stilicho wanted their help, and they had a large body of trained men ready to go. Constantinople, though, didn't want to play ball, and while all this wrangling was going on, Gaul was getting ransacked. To add to the flurry of threats facing the West, in 407, probably sensing weakness at the Roman centre and fed up of being ignored at the periphery of empire, a new problem emerged. The legions in Britain elected a new emperor of their own, the General Constantine. Constantine was not a British isolationist and was dismayed at the lack of Roman action against the Rhine invaders. Now he wasted no time in moving every field army unit of Roman Britain to Gaul to face them down. What happened next is recorded by the Greek historian Sosimus. Arriving at Boulogne, Constantine stayed there a few days and, having won over all the troops of Gaul and Aquitaine to his side, became master of Gaul up to the Alps. Constantine had given the scattered remains of the Roman army of Gaul a chance to muster a response to the invaders, and they rallied to his banners. Stilicho, having effectively ignored the region in its hour of need, had just handed over Britain and Gaul to a usurper. Now, the British and Gallic legions under Constantine 
began a series of lightning strikes against the vandal Alan Swavy Alliance. None survive in detail, but the effect was sudden, and ironically, disastrous. In making Gaul a little too hot for their liking, the Rhine invaders now switched their attentions from Gaul to Spain. All 200,000 men, women and children surged over the Pyrenees and found little resistance. The Iberian Peninsula, being hundreds of miles from the nearest frontier, had traditionally had little need of large numbers of frontline troops, and now paid the price. Over three years, the invaders treated the region to the same wanton pillaging as Gaul. But by 411, they then divided the Spanish provinces between them, and began enjoying their revenues for themselves. The Spanish chronicler Hydatius tells us, the Spaniards in the cities and forts who had survived the disasters surrendered themselves to servitude under the barbarians. And where was Constantine and Stilicho while all this was going on? Fighting each other, of course. Stilicho couldn't leave Italy to take on the Rhine invaders in Spain, because that would have allowed Constantine to walk into the imperial court at Ravenna and depose the Emperor Honorius. Equally, Constantine couldn't evict the Spanish squatters, as doing so would have left his power base in Gaul vulnerable to Stilicho. So, while the Vandals, Alans and Suevi carved up Hispania at will, these two western supremos were caught in a deadly and damaging game of chicken. Neither blinked first, they just crashed together, and by 411 both were dead, Stilicho having been executed by plotters and Constantine executed after finally surrendering to Honorius. The Western Roman Empire was in dire straits. Spain had been lost, Gaul ransacked, and Britain abandoned. The Britons themselves, under new and savage attacks from Germanic tribes, and having had their protective legions stripped from them, rebelled, throwing out the remaining Constantinian magistrates in 408 or 409. By 410, when the Romano-British community sent a letter imploring Honorius to send help in the fight against the marauding Saxons, Angles and Jutes, all Honorius could do was to exhort them to look to their own defences. Britannia was Roman no longer. In the space of just five years from 406 to 411, the Western Roman Empire had lost close to a million square miles of territory, with all the accompanying revenues, money that was required to keep the military and administrative ships afloat. The aura of Roman invincibility had been shattered, and the edifice appeared to be coming down around the empire but we're still only just getting started. Join us next time for yet another danger. The Goths again would rear their heads and cause a shock that would reverberate around both halves of the Empire and beyond. The Eternal City, Rome itself, would be sacked. <laughs>